last week on Lore Seekers. Literally like Ron Burgundy, I will read whatever I see. And I <laughs> yeah, am not even kidding. I'm not even kidding you. I am 100%. You know what would be cool, though, too? Like, maybe stagger it up. So, so say, like, for the next DLC or something, they release it on consoles first. I'd be okay with that. To show them that. some love. Yeah, I would be okay with that. Not naming any names, but... Jibs <laughs> sucks at words. So this gives them some choices. <laughs> He'll probably find a way to crap the bed, but I hope we're going to give him two choices. All right. Number 25 is our 25th lore lesson. Woo! We are covering the Dwemer. Yeah! Dwemer time, baby. Psst. You, traveler. What do you know of this land? Do you wish to learn of its law? Come, <laughs> rest your weary feet and warm yourself by the fire. Let's share some mead, listen to tales of misadventure, and learn of Tamriel's rich history with the law seekers. <laughs> that is ah, here they are now. Jibs I mean, I haven't had and many cash. But that's a solid one. <laughs> My guess is that's your first one. Congratulations, though. <laughs> it's, my, it's, it's my first one. Oh, thank you so much. And hey, look who's here. Welcome. Welcome. Have you a seat. Cash will uh, hook you up with a drink. And uh, So anyway, what's... Uh, you know, it's been a while since we've talked. Yeah. Uh, what, what's been going on? Like two hours. Um, yeah, like two hours. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> we literally lost the re- first recording. Everything, I blue screened... We just came off of talking like an hour into an episode. So here we are. We're back. It was so lore-breaking. It was so incredibly lore-breaking. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah. We ha- we already had our tantrum, so you guys don't have to hear that. Yeah. And tantrums are... We're back. And I, yeah. I've, Again. Dude, I've had a great yeah. week. Have you? Yes. Unbelievable week. I am back in the swing of things with my playtime. And I've been putting in a metric crap ton of work yeah. uh, on the cast and the community. And um, I guess I can't say most importantly, but most the most fun I've had during the week is uh, writing about Wolven the Lore Seeker, my new warden. And I'm very happy to report that Wolven is now level 50. I know it's been so great. So lots of PVE, lots of fun with uh, dungeons with folks and just kind of hopping in here and there doing stuff with the lore seekers community and a lot of PVP. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to you at one point and to the folks on the interwebs at one point about finding that douchebag out there. Yeah. Found him. Did you now? Yep. Definitely that not was, uh, a lore seeker member. Because definitely not. <laughs> he would have been tossed out onto his keister real quick. But no, in PvP I had a terrible experience with somebody's oh, yeah. mouth. And as much as I would like to broadcast his name, at least his character name, I will not. But I did like the high road. 
I did. I definitely took the high road. Um, I was a little ir irritated though about the whole thing, and I do not know how Zoss handles this particular type of thing. But the rhetoric that he was spewing about the skill level of other players and how he wasn't happy about not coming out number one because I ran into this guy in like three different battlegrounds. I ran into him. Same team. Same team, three different battlegrounds. Oh One of them, we were in opposite <laughs> battlegrounds, and we went after each other every time. I was like, objectives, I don't care about them. I am going to find this guy and hunt him down. <laughs> and the funny part about oh, that man. is every single time, this is a testament to how much I suck in PvP, every single time we met up on the field of battle, he killed me. He killed you? I got really close a couple times, though, but yeah. So I'm not that good at PvP. I mean, my Wolven the Lore Seeker is a PvE character who I was just taking into PvP, so I wasn't totally spec'd out for PvP or anything. It's a PvE spec, but I was holding my own for a PvE spec. Anyway, I don't know how Zoss handles this kind of stuff, but this was probably the worst experience I've ever had with somebody, and I reported him. I was so irritated. But anyway, found the yeah. douche. Hopefully he finds Mara or Stendar or whatever divine that will turn him into a normal human being as opposed to acting like the douchebaggery he was acting like. So anyway, it's easy to act how you want when you're on the other side of the keyboard, but when you're in front of somebody's face, it's all kinds of, different. yeah, I'm sure it probably would have been different if he was in the same office with me, but yeah, people <laughs> hide behind a keyboard and they think they can say whatever they want. So anyway, that was not the highlight of my week. I had a great week. I did not lose any sleep over that guy. I just had a blast playing all week writing all week long and i've had a good time now i want to know about your week well i've been working on my healer lots of healer action going on nice. um yeah it's been a lot of fun um i was able to get my monster set all done so i am good to go on my fourth key got my shoulders have my headpiece uh it's the nightmare set that you get off the boss and vet Elden Hollow 2. The and fourth key you got your shoulder piece. Then the fourth... Uh, let me rephrase that. It's probably... Yeah, probably yeah, probably fourth or fifth key. Um, I got the Nightmare Shoulders, so... You are blessed by the heavens above. Yes, yes I am. My gosh. Yeah. It's taken it, me forever to get some of my shoulder pieces. Yeah, it was pretty... It was pretty... To be honest, it was pretty relaxing knowing that that's done, and so I got some of the got the enchants, got the the tran. I did the transmute what I could. I'm starting to run low on transmutation crystals, so. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway, got that as much as I could. So, getting him ready, because I I stopped checking earlier. I I don't have Discord up anymore, but uh, at least. We have enough for seven groups. We asked if people want to do this, and just everyone came out of the woodwork and was like, yes, please. <laughs> so uh, if you are a lore seeker, or maybe you want to be joining the lore seeker official guild community, whatever, uh, we're going to start having a hard mode night. And that is where lore seekers from all platforms are encouraged to get together and run veteran hard mode dungeons. That is where the, the lore seekers will get together and find the closest brick wall and run up against it as many times as possible together. <laughs> so yeah, 
I think uh, we're going to be possibly looking at doing ours on Thursday uh, for uh, for PC. But I'm uh, getting ready to release that as well, so look forward to that. But uh, is that a Khajiit in the background? Is that yes, a non-combat it's an, pet? It's an incessant non-combat pet. Come oh, my on. goodness. If you're coming up, you're coming up, dude. Let's go. He's like, nope, I'm just going to sit right at the side of your chair and meow. Yeah, <laughs> boy, come on up here. Non-combat pets. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, it's been about that week. But, um, you know, we we do have a massive show this week. We do. I, I'm coffeeed up. I am watered up. That sounds gross. I am full of water. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I am ready. So anyway, everybody, welcome. This is episode eight of volume two of the Lore Secrets Podcast. We're so happy to have you back. We hope you guys have guys and gals have had a great week in gaming or life. And if you haven't, well, we hope for the next however long this show this could literally be a week long episode. It's a huge episode. Uh we hope we can distract you from your bad day. But anyway, we're your hosts, I am Jibs, and I am joined by Cash. Yes, we are excited to be back, and we are still giving you our best, even though we've been recording for the better part of an hour and a half already, and a yeah. scamp has pooped on us. Yeah, so we're solid back. poop. Yes. Yeah. But don't worry about it. We are uh, excited to bring you the content that we have, and I'm not joking you when I tell you that our show notes are 14 pages long. It's ridiculous. Uh, we knew it'd be big, but hot dang. Yeah. It's the, ridiculous. You know, the good part about that, though, is that a lot of our listeners listen at work, on their commute, while they're cutting the lawn, while they're making dinner. And, well, basically, if you're making dinner, by the time this episode is over, you could probably have made four dinners. You know, talking about people, the way they listen, I got, since that last iTunes review that we talked about that really kind of hit home, where the dad was talking about, you know, listening with his son. Yeah. That resonate, resonated so much with me. And then I, I'm getting applications of people. I, I got an app the other day. Join the Discord community. He loves our show. And he loves the fact that he can listen with his family and his child not pick up a new word. <laughs> yes, I, I read that one too. And um, I think that, I don't know. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to toot our own horn, but I'm going to toot our horn right here. Jibs and I feel very, very strongly about the content that we put out and wanting it to be for a wide audience. And that's the same exact way that we feel about our gameplay and our community. So don't, you know, like don't hesitate if you're feeling a little bit timid, maybe you're kind of a quiet person and you're really not sure if you're really going to gel with people. We're very serious about keeping our environment as clean and fun as we try to make our podcast. And we're just trying to be the real deal for people and not be fake or whatever. Yeah. Just come have fun with us. That's what the game's all about. That's why people put on podcasts because they want to listen to fun stuff or they want to get the facts about something that they love and that's what we're trying to deliver to you. So don't be shy. Absolutely. And I, I there's I've seen it more than once. Uh 
very timid about joining up dun joining in dungeons or you know don't be just come have fun and 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 meet and greet and we we love our listeners we really do we really appreciate you guys and um so yeah i love it i love how people listen i love the fact that families listen and so that being said you're gonna listen to a huge episode today because last week uh if you and i know a lot of you are are just learning of our show we've seen that this past week a lot of you are just coming to our show on episode seven of volume two but if you are just now coming to Lore Seekers here on Episode 8, I encourage you to go back an episode because we talked about the Bethesda gameplay days. We talked about how you can earn 100,000 gold in ESO. Uh, we answered fan mail, and we did a complete lore lesson on the mysterious Dweemer. So, yeah, which we're you... continuing tonight in a way. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And uh, it's going to get to the nitty-gritty. But... Uh... Anywho, this week on the show, <laughs> uh, we're talking about a lot of stuff. The Crown Store Showcase for September, we're going to highlight that because th- this that was re- kind of released last week. So we're going to highlight that. And then we're going to go over the Imperial City Celebration event, the Bethesda Game Day stream. And we're bringing back Dungeons for Dummies where we te- take you through dungeons, everything top to bottom, what kind of sets you can get, the boss mechanics, etc., we're coming back with that this week, and on top of that, doing a lore lesson on the heart of Lorecam. So, yep. Should be a good one. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it. I'm really looking forward to this heart of Lorecam. You know, I, I don't read those in the show notes. I purposely want to li- experience it the way... I'm, that's one that... I was stoked about the Dweamer, man. I'm stoked about the heart of Lorecam. So anyway, uh, we should get started. You ready? I am. 2.0! <laughs> All right. Well, for news, uh, starting off here, the Crown Store Showcase for September 2018. This was dropped over at the ESO official website. We've got two brand new costumes coming, um, both orc themed, orsinium themed. Very, very cool. Totally check them out. One kind of looks like a knight's tail. Another one kind of looks like a Jedi Consular from SWOTOR, to be completely honest with you. Very, very cool. Very, very worth your time. Both are going to be available starting on September 13th. For crafting, and again, we're going to highlight through this this first part here on the uh, Crown Store Showcase. For crafting, we've got the Welkinar style. For those of you maybe who have went through Cloudrest, play through it, and you were able to acquire some gear pieces, particularly... The ones that have the wings on the back, well, you are going to be able to get the motif for that. That's going to be available on September 12th. For outfit styles, we have the Shadowrend Arms Pack. This is going to be available from September 26th through October 31st. Now, this is just like the current Molag Kina uh, Arms Pack. This includes, uh, while this is going on, you can, and by the way, Shadowrend, just to be clear, is a boss in Banished Cells. Yep, we're going to talk about him tonight. We are. Yep. And uh, so I'm, I'm assuming this is more like ethereal kind of lightning feel to the items. I haven't actually seen them animated yet. But uh, So this pack will be available. And while this is available for this whole month that we have this, uh, we'll also be able to get the Shadowrend mask style page. This was has excuse me a chance to drop 
from the final boss and veteran banished cells, which is funny because I've been running the crap out of that this past week. Yep, guess what uh, we're going to keep doing starting on September uh, 26th. Yeah, boy. Uh, and by the way, the Shadowrun shoulder style page will have a chance to drop from the Maw of Al Raygath's Undaunted Chest. So there's that. Uh, furniture, we've got, if you are big into Cold Harbor, available from September 13th through the 17th, we have the Molag Ball Bundle Pack. Basically, all kinds of furniture, Cold Harbor themed. <laughs> yeah, this will this set will go very, very well with the Cold Harbor Surreal Estate yep. house, yep. which is basically nothing until you <laughs> add this stuff. It's basically it's a cold barren. <laughs> That's about it. It's a flat piece of ground. <laughs> yep. But uh, anyway, for mounts, um, let's see, from September 27th through October 3rd, you can get the Pack Lord Nightmare, Nightmare Wolf. For those of you who've seen the Nightmare Cinch or maybe the Lion or the Horse, well, now we're getting a wolf. And he shoots uh, flames out of his eyes, his nose, and his mouth. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of getting nightmare fatigue, but I like the wolves, so you know you can't really say too much. Uh, for pets, we have. Speaking of nightmare, we have the nightmare wolf cub. A really the, upset dog. That uh, one's over. Well, that one's yeah, over. That huh? one's over. Yeah, that one's over. Yeah, so, so if I, you I wanted kinda... a really pissed off dog, you can't get him anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that was the Imperial War Mastiff. And by the way, you could have gotten the uh, Imperial War Horse that was out and available. Now it's no longer available. Uh, so the Nightmare Wolf Cub, this is available September 27th through October 3rd. If you're into collecting both, like I know Cash is, well, you get them out and you get the pet. It's a package deal. It's a daddy it's a and a baby. Deal. It's a daddy and a baby. Or... And what the heck is this pet? A fawn etchelet? Oh this is my god. Okay, this is I don't this is like something that came out of like an 80s horror film. This is available on all platforms starting on September 13th. It says quote when spring comes to the sun dappled forests of southern Rothgar, Echetir babies are sometimes born with temporary spotted camouflage that fades as the etchlet matures. It's pretty while it lasts. I so don't, I don't agree with that. Nope. This looks like a saber tooth, a mud crab, and a deer had a baby. It this looks like something that I would shoot immediately upon seeing it. Yeah. Holy I would. crap. That is stuff that nightmares are made out of. That's exactly right. This uh for those of you who maybe are a big fan of Fishmen back on Dreamcast, well Enter Fishmen. It's got a furry face and I don't know what weird this is. looking why is kind this of thing? spider slash deer legs? Ugh. I don't. Ugh. Jeez. Who who says, man? I love ESO. I love the Elder Scrolls universe. You know, there's just nothing like the Etchelet. <laughs> that is a face only a mother Etchelet could love. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, here's the pets. And by the way, quick note: uh, there is going to be a removal of some items. Starting on September 24th, this includes costumes, the Moon Sugar Festival suit, Jarl's Deluxe Moot Rogelia, as far as pets are concerned, Dead Rat and Sep Adder. So there's that. There's more, right? Was there a few more? I feel like there was a few more. 
Yeah. The oh, they're also taking out the lizardly four fabric skirt set. Uh, the Zanmir Doyen's worship robe. The Zanmir Doyen's feather tiara. And I think you already covered the other ones. Yeah. No, so there you go. That's a crown store showcase for September. A lot of cool things. And uh, I'm really kind of interested to see where they go with those arms packs. I know I keep saying it. but Me, me too. I, you know what? I always like it when they remove stuff from the crown store because it just makes means it's making room for more things in the crown store. So like, um, you know, witches festival stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Am I right? which, yes, yeah. is coming up so soon. It is. Yep. Jeez, man, summer went by so fast. And we're already almost into Halloween time. I'm so ready. Can't My wait. My body is ready. Yep. All right, so there is that. Now, for the going on right now while you're listening to this episode, if you're listening on release day, which is the 7th of September, there's an event happening right now, and we're going to tell you about it. It's called the Imperial City Celebration Event. All right, so this is going on through September 17th. And long story short, you can earn all kinds of awesome stuff. And as it, when you do any Imperial City activities, anything from the Imperial City DLC, this includes Daedra and the Imperial Sewers, this includes capturing districts and in, in the streets uh, above the you know on the the main floor of the city. Uh, any delves it, it, into any of the DLCs. Uh, delve. I'm sorry. If you delve this article, it's so wordy. If you delve into any of the DLCs to dungeons, goodness gracious, Imperial City sewers and White Gold Tower, which I know we will be doing a lot. Yes, a lot, lot of time. A lot of, and I love the way that they're doing this because they're they're having something for PVEers and something for PVPers. Because there's plenty of people that play PVP alone, like that's it. They log in to play Cyrodiil, and that's it. So this is going to be right up their alley. Um, and then there's people who are absolutely terrified of PVP, and it's just not their shtick. So the way that they're doing this lets everybody take part in the event. I like that. I agree. Yeah, this is like this is like a dialed back mid-year mayhem meets PVE bundled together in one sweet little package. Exactly. That's pretty much that's what this is. So, uh, by the way, just quick note, you have to know, and I know I said this a few minutes ago, but you have to own the Imperial City DLC game pack or be an ESL Plus member to participate. Okay? And okay. during the event, you can... <laughs> Thanks. Uh, you can purchase the DLC game pack for 50% off. That's uh, 1,250 crowns. And also, which I know I'll be doing, you can get the Imperial City Collector's Bundle, which includes the horse, mind-driven horse, mind-driven skin, the dead rat pet, and some experience scrolls. The horsey. The horsey's cool. The, I wish they had that the, style in some yeah. of the other pets. Like a guar? In that skin? Mm. Yeah, Papa's in on that. Mm-hmm. I'm not really mm-hmm. a horsey. I'm not either. Yeah, I'm not a horsey. It just kind of like, I really, you know what? I really w- did not want a collection of horses, but every time I open a friggin' crate, I'm getting horse mounts. Huh. And I'm fu- I'm so thankful and happy for it, but I'm like, I, I it just kind of happened. I guess I'm having a collection of horses now. So. I, yeah, I guess you have just awesome RNG. 
I literally, <laughs> literally, four or five full packs of crowns, of crown crates, right? Like the full 15 pack. Right. I've probably bought that four or five times in the past few months. Not a single mount. Nothing. Nothing. I got the Guar white mount too the other day, in case you want to know. You got the Guar white Oh, man. So, anyway, you can pick this up 60% off during the event. Uh, now, let's talk rewards. So, if you go into the Imperial City and you've never stepped into this before, now's totally time because you get double the Telvar stones from all monsters, double the chance of picking up the Stonefire Scamp Pet or the Soul Shriven skin, which, by the way, you only get that skin uh, by purchase, not purchasing, by killing Moldag Ball in the Imperial Sewers, which I think is like a 2% drop. So now it goes to 4%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't quote me on that. I real I think that's I think it's that low though. Well, uh, also you, just a real quick point on that. It's nice to have rare stuff. Absolutely. You know what I mean because there's some stuff that I do it's fine to me if I don't get something. But other people have earned it. Or they, they're lucky enough to get it. Because then when you see it, it's like, oh, where'd you get that? So it doesn't make everything accessible to everybody because the RNG's low on it. So I don't know. I guess I'm yeah. not that bummed out about it, even though right. it is a very low, low, low percentage chance that you're going to get something like that. But, you know, hey, right. rare. I like that. Yeah. And I'm, I like I like rare. And and kind of going back to the Crown Store showcase, like I, I like the Welkinar style page, but I don't like the fact it's being added because I'm like, ah, it was rare, you know, because you did Cloud Rest. But I, maybe that's old school MMO talking to me. So, yeah, I love rarities in MMOs because then it means something, man. When you see somebody with something, so if you see somebody with a soul shriven skin, you know it meant something to get that. You know what I mean? Right. And, like, uh, my key point is that. Um... It's like a, uh, why don't I think it's a worm cult skin or something like that that you can get out of, I think it's Scale Collar or Fang Layer, but you can get, right. you can get a um, personality out of it. And oh my gosh, I want that personality until I figured out what you have to do to get it. And I'm, I'm just not there yet. I mean, you got to do vet hard mode and I think you have to do it on a no death run or speed run or something like that. And then you get this achievement where you get this personality that is so awesome. I wanted it on my sork but i i think i just got a long way to go before i you know i could do it on vet fine but doing it no death run and speed run it's like oh my god really dude and hard mode on top of that yeah come on man i got a full-time job i got a family (laughs) bro i know so uh we also get double the amount of key fragments cool thing to partake of i've yet to be able to do it but i've heard good things uh, double the amount of sacks dropped by cunning scamps and trove scamps. He said sacks. Double the amount of drops from bosses. This is including the Imperial City itself in its dungeons. So finally, by the way, the as of update 18, the Stonefire Scamp and Soul Shriven Skin are packaged in room boxes. Nice. Which means, what cash... It means you can sell it for a million trillion golds. That's right. Put it on the guild traders, make some coin. Yep. So there is that. Now, on to 
the Bethesda gameplay day stream recap. This was long. That's all Lots right, buddy. Crown crates. Of, I know. <laughs> Lots of information to be chewed upon. And they they went through all the games. I mean, it was such a huge... It was really well done. You know, it's, it's, it's Bethesda. And we love Bethesda. They do a great job. That being said, the ESO part came in roughly around an hour and 54 minutes. We'll have the link over at the episode page morsecretspodcast.com but that being said we're going to talk about Merkmire we've got literally every single piece of information that was talked about in that stream right here for you uh, so we're going to start off here with Merkmire now by the way quick note this is free for any ESO Plus member and for those of you who don't know what that is maybe you're just coming in the game some of you are just listening to the show for the first time ESO plus it's monthly membership all the scrolls online 15 bucks a month it means you threw your wallet at the screen <laughs> just like we did just like we did yeah uh, so as far as the zone of Merkmire is concerned here's the things we learned this takes place in the southern portion of the swamp okay as far as uh, Black Marsh is concerned when we arrive, we will be arriving by boat, which we will learn more about later. Uh, we'll, t- we'll talk about it a little bit more, but we're going to be arriving in the city of L- Lomoth. I think that's how you pronounce it. I had the volume maxed, and I had a really difficult time hearing what they were saying. That's because so, you're going deaf with your age. Lom, I am not. I'm getting better with age. I'm like fine wine. You are not like fine wine. And barbecue. Oh. Gets it gets better when it's that you know, doesn't even pair cooked. right. It does wine too. and barbecue. Yeah, wine's no. better with age. Barbecue's better when it's smoked. Barbecue's better with whiskey or beer. A fine wine is better with fish. I would never drink fine wine to begin with. I am a whiskey man, one hundred percent. Oh, you're so unrefined. And ale. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, city of Lomoth. It's a trading hub. It used to be a giant imperial fort. So when you get here, you're seeing ruins of this imperial fort. And if you can imagine Argonian wood hut structure on top, <laughs> you've got one beautiful blend of awesome Merkmireness. <laughs> yeah, it used to be imperial until the Thracian plague killed everybody except for the Argonians. And everybody died. They're like, right. they're like cockroaches. <laughs> Do not die. Uh, so, again, this is a very unexplored area of Black Marsh. This this whole zone is. It's kind of how they're framing it up for you. A lot of the water is knee deep or lower, which means what? Catch? Uh, trench foot. Yeah. And lots of extra looting of just shoes. Lots and of lot feet of pieces. Changing of socks. A lot of changing of socks, yeah. Mm. Maybe a hint of disease. <laughs> Maybe just a touch. <laughs> Maybe a <laughs> Maybe a little dysentery. <laughs> you have died of dysentery. <laughs> you have died of dysentery in the black marsh. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, it means less dismounts. So if you are ever in a zone and you're getting dismounted a lot. 
Well, guess what? Far less dismounts here in Merkmire. Three different biomes. Uh, coastal, mountainous, and there is like a happy little transition in between there. So you will be able to know where you're at on, on the map based off the biome. So that's pretty cool. Kind of like Minecraft. Kind of like Minecraft. Way freaking cooler. Only not as good. Yes. What? <laughs> if you like blocks. I always want to see what you'd say. Okay. Uh, all right. So as far as the story is concerned for Merkmeyer, here's what we got so far. We're going to talk more about this later. It's centered around a massive treasure hunt. Yes, I'm okay, in. So, so <laughs> it's like, well, we're done. We're in. You know what you have to say anymore? Yep, right? you had me at Merkmeyer. We will meet a group called the Cyrodelic Collections. This group is devoted to saving Argonian culture. And it's an imperial group. Now, this group is together because the Argonians, as a race in Elder Scrolls, they really could give two craps about history. That's very true. They're, they're all about living in the now. So this group is just solely devoted to saving Argonian culture. And because of the Argonians' lack of care, it's been easy for smugglers to steal their relics. So this group's like, hey, we want to protect this stuff. I don't care. Take what you want. (laughs) Long story short, we will be working. We'll find the mythical relic remnant of Argon. Oh my left is god, mystery. dude, this goes perfectly with the Lore Seekers Reliquary storyline. Oh my gosh, we are going to RP the poop out of this. Probably will. We're such that, nerds. We are such we nerds. Are nerds. By the way, if you are listening to this for the first time, or you're coming to Lore Seekers in Volume 2, highly encourage you. We know this because we just said it in another recording. <laughs> Uh, volume one, episode seventeen, was our Argonian episode where we did a full-on lore lesson of the Argonians. I encourage you to go back and listen to that because Cash did a killer job on it. Thank and you. Argonians, I learned a lot. That's very, very good. It's it interesting. Very, very well. Interesting. It is such an yeah. interesting culture because, like, one of the main things that you said was they don't really care much about their history, and it's so true. And it even resonated in the lore lesson because it was hard to like, there was a ton of stuff on the Argonians, but their history in itself is, is kind of concealed because they don't care to document it. Yeah. So it's it's so incredibly mysterious because they don't care. (laughs) But, but the, the interesting thing about that lore lesson is they don't necessarily care about their own history. They care more about learning about everyone else's history. Yeah. Yeah, like, as a race, there's so much more about other people. Yeah, it's really kind of cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, so, long story short, kind of going along with that, actually. That was perfect. During this, the Merkmire expansion, and this, I really, if you'd asked me this before the lore lesson, I probably wouldn't have cared as much. But I'm telling you right now, this is cool as all get out. We will learn a whole lot about the Hist and how they interact with the Argonians. And how Jibs likes to drink Hist from breast milk. We don't need to relive that episode. (laughs) We just did. That was a highlight. It was the highlight, yep. Episode 17, you're welcome. Uh, The quests will have a lot of traps. A lot of traps. A lot of traps. Cal traps? Environment? Uh, Yeah. 
lot of traps in the environment, so it this expansion has totally has a Tomb Raider slash Indiana Jones feel to it. A lot of the side quests focus on Argonian culture. I love that so much. Yeah, it's cool. Love, love, love that. Uh, we will come in contact with a couple different tribes. One being the Bright Throat Tribe, which they're all about trading, politician work, and apparently they're very good at persuading people to do things. So, more than likely, we will get persuaded into doing crap we don't want to do. <laughs> Dang politicians. We also have the Deadwater Tribe. It's very militaristic. Uh, they don't like outsiders. So, kind of like a more straightforward version of Somerset's Elves. Kind of feel like that's what the Deadwater Tribe's going to be. You mean they're douchey? Maybe a hint. Yeah. I wonder if we'll learn anything more about the Shadow Scales. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah. The Argonian Assassins. Hmm. We also have the Black Rose Prison. This, by the way, huge addition to the game just in general. If there was ever a reason for you to pick up this DLC or be a subscriber to get it for free, well, here you go. It's a four-player leaderboard arena. This is pretty much if Maelstrom Arena and Dragonstar had a baby, this is it. Oh, that sounds violent. It does sound violent. There are five different arenas, and they say this should take anywhere between 30 to 45 minutes if you are, quote, good, end quote. Three hours if you suck. (laughs) Which is Cassina. Just like Maelstrom, there is traps. Okay. Now, the best part about this, for me, well, Obviously the experience, but the lore. This is really cool. This uh, Black Rose Prison was constructed by the Akaviri over 200 years ago, led by a dark elf named Paladil Dereni. He used stone Atronachs to build this thing in a day. And it is built down instead of up. So what you see when you see the prison is an awesome-looking structure. But what you don't see is how deep this prison goes into the the uh, Nern itself. It is like a huge cavern of jail cells stacked on top of each other. I mean, this is sinister looking. The whole point of this thing was to house the worst of the worst offenders in Tamriel. That is so unbelievably kick butt. That's awesome. Yes. And I'm interested to see if Peladil Dereni is related to the Dereni. But he's a dark elf. So I don't know. It uh, doesn't seem like he would be because it was Altmer was what made up the Dereni hegemony. Hegemony? Hegemony. The Dereni Uh hegemony. I'm just curious. I don't know. That's my, my lore blossoming. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Kind of, and again, like I, I find myself wanting to learn more about this prison in a deeper way. Like I don't know if they're going to elaborate more, if they're really going to flesh it out, but really good opportunity. I see what you did there. You're definitely going to learn about this prison in a deeper way. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a group called the Black Guard, and they run this prison, and 
there are, like we said earlier, there are five different arenas that make up the Black Rose Prison, and the fifth one being called Drakis Cage. And this boss uses spirits of the tortured souls of those previously in the arena. Nice. So yeah, nice. tortured souls, nice and sinister. There are power-ups, just like in Maelstrom, and they talked about one in particular. So let's say you have a quarter of life left. Everyone on your team has died. You're on the last boss, and you're like, we are so close. Everyone's just wiped. What do I do? Well, there's a power-up that does a mass res for everybody in your group that has died, bringing them back to life. Thus giving you a pretty much a second attempt to finish. Second chance at life. Second chance at life. It's second life. It's beautiful. Uh, There are rewards tied to this, as you can imagine. One of those, probably the most unique, aside from the... I mean, there's going to be weapons. I mean, it's it's an arena, so you can look for that, which will probably change builds, I imagine. But the big one, in a lot of people's eyes, is probably going to be the skin. This makes you look like a lizard. So, there awesome. is that. That being said, probably would scare some of your kids. <laughs> uh, for PvP changes, they talked about uh, this around 2 hours and 16 minutes. Uh, even if you're not big into PvP, you really should check this out because gosh just the visuals look cool because yeah. now with Merkmire this whole update bridges and small gates can now be destroyed and I mean literally just explode and stone go everywhere kind of being destroyed yep that's cool destructible environments in any game is a good thing yes agreed 100% there are uh, they can they can be destroyed, but also they can be repaired with specific repair kits in regards to the bridges. Um, a total of three bridges can now be destroyed. So if the bridges do get destroyed, well, everyone standing on them will fall and die of slaughterfish. Yes, I'm in. We also have when bridges are down, you can take various docks to get across the map. So they kind of showcased one being a goat's passage. There's literally a goat sitting on top of it. Uh, You could totally take that instead of the bridge. When it's down, I'm sure it's nowhere near as convenient. They also asked, or asked, gosh, listen to me, added brand new outposts. All kinds of, I think they added at least three, at least three new outposts. So there's that. And um, so that's it for PvP's concern. So if you're into Cyrodiil, it's very, very cool to watch. Seriously, go to the episode page, lordsecretspodcast.com, click on the episode, and click the the source link there. It's very, very cool. It's around, yeah, two hours and 16 minutes. That being said, last of the quality of life additions uh, that we're getting here with Merk Meyer is the following. By the way, this is free for all users. CC and PvP is being adjusted. So what that means is we're pretty much getting better reliability and use. 
I don't know how much of this we're actually going to see because a lot of this is back-end adjustments, like, as far as understanding what, until we actually see it in person. So they just said better reliability and use. I have no real context as to what that looks like yet, but I'm sure we will once we get in some Battlegrounds or Cyrodiil. I don't know. I wonder if the percentages were just low for you know trying to CC somebody in PvP. I mean... I don't know, like the failure rate of casting something? Yeah. Um, let's see what else. We got a undo and redo button coming to housing. Oh, thank you. This should be an infomercial. You know, if this was Fallout, they so would have put this in like a an infomercial with vault Tech. <laughs> have you ever <laughs> screwed up your home and spent an hour trying to replace an item? Well, now... Try your handy-dandy undo and redo button. And that is your lore break for the episode. You are most welcome. At least, you, at least it was Fallout, though. It is, and I love Fallout. And speaking of, we have not forgotten about doing some type of little uh, Fallout bit for you guys. So, yeah, there's that. It'll start and stop there. Uh, that being said, they are also adding a brand new system to housing as well where you can group items. So let's say you have a table, and on said table you've got plates and and food and cups and all that. You have made a setting that looks like someone was eating dinner. Well, now you can group all those items so you can move that table and everything on it all at once. And then undo and redo what you just did. That's right. I like it. To your heart's content. Uh, big one here. I'm super stoked about this. And please also make this for guilds. But character reordering is coming to the game. So if you are at the character selection screen, you can now reorder your characters in Markmire. That's awesome. I love it. Yep. That's going to be really good. Very useful. Agreed. Also, here's a, here's a short little bit for you. PTS is coming the week of September 17th. Jeez fast that's, that's stupid quick right yep they did do a Q&A here this is kind of finishing up the whole news bit of the day for us here so they talked ESO plus improvements we already know that we're getting increased crowns and we are getting um, a special area of the crown store where we get a free item every month so I guess that's kind of the new part they kind of detailed how they're doing a little bit more so yeah we're getting a free item Special part of the Crown Store, if you're an ESO Plus member, this is coming with update 20. They were asked if there were any new monsters in Merkmire. For those of you who are very into the flora and fauna of expansions, they talked about a new monster called the Voroplasm. And it's a giant slime monster. (laughs) That sounds unsanitary. That sounds gross. We've also got music boxes officially confirmed. We didn't talk about it yet. They they actually detailed this. They didn't, but somebody else did two weeks ago. But we didn't cover it yet until it was official. So it is now official. We'll now recover it. Music boxes are coming with Merkmire. Long story short, play music in your home. That's going to so be cool. That. We are getting new motifs. And I guess the Black Rose Prison 
It's officially short name is Burp, BRP. Uh, there is achievements coming with that that are unique to this. So there was people running Maelstrom, and they wouldn't use any power-ups. Like, that was part of it. They did it on Flawless and didn't use a single power-up, and that was kind of like bragging rights. But there wasn't an achievement for it. So with Burp, they are adding these kinds of achievements, get achievements for not taking a power-up, etc. There's also going to be titles tied to this as well. Um, so you can look forward to that. Group Finder for EU. I believe it's Xbox that's having this issue. If you are, well, they're they're working on a fix. They think they've identified the issue. They're going to get that fix put in the game for you. There definitely seems like there's an issue with that, with the Group Finder, yeah. even on PC. Yeah. Because it, it gets wonky. I mean, you eventually get what you need to get, but, you know, sometimes you got to hit, you know, somebody... somebody decline the invite and you're in a group of four people with all your friends and they're all on voice chat with you and yep. it keeps saying that somebody declined the invite you're like stop that yeah yeah so yep i agree 100 argonians have a unique musical instrument we will see when we're in Merkmire. they didn't tell you what it is awesome kind of teased it it's Hopefully a didgeridoo new emotes <laughs> it's got to be a didgeridoo you <laughs> <laughs> That's what a didgeridoo sounds like, just so you know. I just picture Lion King now. All right. Uh, more performance improvements are coming. I could def. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I, their game, the game definitely does have its moments where it's kind of struggling. And so I love the fact that they're doing this, still endeavoring to make the game the best it possibly can. I love it. Uh, Merkmire Prologue Quest is coming after PTS. Awesome. In this Prologue Quest, they tease that we will meet the Cyrodelic Collections group. There is a main story and side quest in Merkmire. We will arrive to Merkmire via boat, which they, they kind of tease that as well. It's kind of something they're going to go into more detail later. This one makes me happy. The size of Merkmire is the same size, roughly the same size as Clockwork. Awesome. That's pretty sizable. Yeah. Yeah. And, by the way, more Sky Shards and Delves are coming in Merkmire. But, of course. So, so, there's that. Oh, by the way, this isn't in the show notes. I don't even think I told you about this. But Matt Furrer, how do you say his name? Matt? Matt Firer. Matt Firor, gosh, I'm sorry. Bro. You can call him Matt Fur. That's okay too. Hey Matt, I'm sorry, bro. He's not sorry. That being said, <laughs> um, he did an interview and he was discussing that the next DLC and what comes with that and after that is by far, quote, the most ambitious thing they've ever attempted. Shut up and stop with that now. That being said. The uh, Dweamer are confirmed. I put it on our Twitter feed. Lord Seekers cast um, is on a YouTube channel. I forget his name, and I apologize, sir, but he did an interview. Good to listen to. You should go check it out. Um, so that's it for news. Except the fact that with that, we're getting the Dweamer and Necromancers. Stop. Oh, my gosh. Dude. That <laughs> we're not. Make, we're not. We're not. Dude, we're a news show. Heart. 
we are a yes. news show. We have to say no. Ugh. Yeah, it's Ixnay fake. Ixnay on the hombre. No Dwemere. Sorry, eh? Oh. My heart. <laughs> but anyway, that's it for the news. And I think it's time for me to get my hand a dandy. Or of awesomeness. That's totally what I'm calling this thing. I guess the like, technical term would be a Altmer's uh, what, 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 I really don't remember the name of this thing. The, oh my god, you're tripping w- over your words. The Welkin? Welkinstone? Yeah, Welkinstone. Yeah. I like to call okay. it the Orb of Awesomeness because, you know. Yeah, so you can say Welkined, for the, Welkined to the Dungeons for Dummies episode. There you go. Yeah, I mean. Thing. That one time, yeah. All right. So anyway, everybody, welcome again, yet again, to another Dungeons for Dummies segment. Now this time, or last time we did, oh crap, what did we do? It wasn't Elden Root. We it did Spindle One. Spindle One. That's right. Thank you. Spindle Clutch. Spindle Clutch One. And after the episode, for those of you who didn't know this, we took to YouTube and we did a live recording, a live dungeon run of Spindle Clutch. So not only do you get to listen to the Dungeons for Dummies segment, but you get to see it in action. We took a group of lore seekers through and uh, it was a good time. A lot of fun. Yeah. Big thank you to Artemis of Lore Seekers Guild and uh, Master of the Lore Seekers Guild for running yes. with us. Yes, uh, agreed, 100%. Well, this week on the show, we are doing Banished Cells 1. Now, this is, to a lot of us who may be vets, this may be an easy dungeon, but for a lot of new players, this is one, or really any dungeon in general, they're very, very nervous. I've seen this more than once of new people coming to Lore Seekers that they are very nervous when it comes to getting into random groups for dungeons because of just how nerve-wracking it can be. And so the goal here at Dungeons for Dummies is to teach you, to take you through a dungeon from top to bottom. We're going to tell you more about it. We're going to tell you what kind of uh, sets you can get and any kind of difficult mechanic with the bosses so you can be better prepared for your dungeon experience. And that being said, this week and last week, we will have done two regular dungeons. Well, next week, or the week after, when we bring this back, we're going to be doing a vet dungeon. So you can look forward to that. But this week, Banished Cells, what we have here, I guess the lore summary of this dungeon is, quote, the High Elves live long lives and have a talent for magic. And are total douchebags. Some... <laughs> Did I say that out loud? We're just picky. We're just Sorry. picky. Uh, sometimes an Altmer's pursuit of magical power leads to tampering with forbidden knowledge and illicit dealings with evil Deidre. It was to confine, confine such trespassers that the banished cells were created. So... In this dungeon, the quest that you're going to be taking on is going to involve Keeper Sirion, and he's going to Sirion. I'm sorry, and Sirion. He, he needs. <laughs> he, I, I struggle with that voice actor's voice, not because he's bad, because it's fantastic, but I've heard oh, it so much. You think you've already won? Yeah. Oh my god. Sorry. Oh gosh, I've heard it so many times. Uh, so Keeper Sirion needs your help 
binding the spirit of a dangerous Altmer, the High Kin Lord Willis. Now, Banished Cells is actually located in the northern tip of Aradon. Great zone, by the way. This dungeon becomes available at level 10. And this does have a normal and vet mode. And let me tell you, that, no that vet mode is legit. Particularly on the last boss, who you can imagine is High Kin Lord Rillis. So, it's no joke. Normal version. If you don't know what you're doing, it can be just as tough. So hopefully we help you out with that today. There is, yeah, and you will see this dungeon a lot. Yes. It pops up oh my a gosh. ton when you run randoms. Yeah, it does. And also there is uh, some really handy gear that you get out of this dungeon. If you are a cloth wearer or someone who's incorporating um, some light armor into your build, more than likely at some point you're going to be f coming into cells. <laughs> you. This really is a good one to, to teach on because you really, like Cash said, you see this dungeon a lot, a lot. And it's it's a good one to learn if you're going to be stepping into dungeons for the first time. So, Banish Cells 1, normal mode, vet mode, it does have seven total achievements. Now, the normal mode here, it does have a total of five bosses. Three mini-bosses, two main bosses. The mini-bosses are Cell Haunter, which is a wraith. I don't even know how I'm going to say this. Engata, the Clan Fear Handler. He's a Dramora Summoner. We have the Skeletal Destroyer, who is a Bone Colossus. And then the two main bosses are Shadow Rend. Remember we talked about earlier with the Crown Store Showcase? Well, yep. Shadow Rend, he's a clan fear. And High High Kinlord Rillis, he's an Altmer. It's a lot, he's the last boss, and in a lot of ways, the trickiest and most difficult, which if you're new to dungeons, typically that's always the last boss. I'm going to say this. I feel like there's a lot of mini-bosses in dungeons that are more difficult than the final boss. They can be, but hi, hi, Kinlord Rillis, if you don't know the mechanics, which Jib is going to go over here, he could be a butthead yeah, to he, get down because he's, yeah. he's got it on vet for sure. Um, but once you get it, it's not too bad at all. I mean, this is, nope. this is very much a entry level dungeon. Yeah. This really is a good one as far as to get the, an ESO feel how ESO plays and how their dungeons feel. I feel like this dungeon really embodies that because ESO really has a unique perspective on dungeons, in my opinion. It feels different. And to really get that vibe of how the gameplay feels, you're going to get that with Banished Cells 1 because there's really interesting mechanics that are involved even on a normal boss, which is right. kind of unique to... An MMO. So. It is. And if you've never run dungeons before in ESO and you've run them in other games, you got to hop in and try these. I oh mean, not gosh, only yes. are they beautifully done, but they definitely do have a different feel to the way they are in some of the other larger MMOs out there. And I will say this with all conviction, they are just flat out better. I'm going to agree 100%. And that's not because... 
you and I both know, and we said in episode one, all those many weeks ago, we would call it as we see it. We will give uh, critic. We will critique what needs to be critiqued, and we will praise what deserves praise. That being said, you are one hundred percent right. These dungeons yeah. are on a level of their own. It is better than every MMO that is out there. It they are ridiculously well done in every way, and particularly. If you really want to see that, especially with scale caller content all the way up to where we are now with Moon Hunter, it's just ridiculous what you face in dungeons. The difficulties there, the mechanics are there, uh, the the lore is so good. My goodness. Yeah. yeah, if you take the time to go through the quests and actually read the stuff, it's it's really good. It really, really is. So let's talk about some mechanics. So what we're going to do now is go through the bosses and mini-bosses by role and really kind of point out some things that you need to know. Now, this is a little bit different than what we would normally do in the this section of Dungeons for Dummies. This, is, this time, the bosses are a whole lot more ability-focused as far as mechanics are concerned than player skill mechanic driven focus this is you're going to be doing a whole lot more reacting with these bosses so that being said like skeletal destroyer mini boss as far as tank and dps are concerned one thing to always note by the way in this fight is range dps <laughs> you're going to do really well here okay the great during, right. during to have this fight with the destroyer the boss itself uses an AoE attack where he stomps the ground immediately surrounding the boss. Okay? So when you see the red circle, move away from the boss until the attack is over. Range DPS. Don't stand in the poop. Yeah. Range DPS, you really probably won't have to move too far if you're standing back at, with, with a good amount of range. Um we just have to take a few steps back, and then we can t- continue burning out down the boss while the melees are are still running out. Um, it, that this mechanic, this boss, really main thing you need to focus on and watch out for is just the tanks and DPS getting out of that AOE. He also spawns a trio of ads, and this will happen randomly throughout the fight. Now, it's important to know, anytime you go into any dungeon, the adds always need to be burned down as soon as possible, okay? Unless there's a specific mechanic for it to make it unique or different. But DPS, when these adds spawn, you stop your focus on the boss, you turn your focus to these adds, these new uh, enemies that have spawned, and burn them down as quickly as possible, okay? Your tank's going to hold aggro on the Skeletal Destroyer, while he's doing that, you focus ads, kill the ads, turn back to boss, and keep chalking away at his health, okay? Then that's it, really, for this fight. Healer, all you have to do is keep a close eye on the DPS that are taking down the ads, as well as the tank. Because this boss can hit surprisingly hard <laughs> for a mini-boss. So, pretty easy fight there other than that. So just keep in mind... Big AOE, and he spawns ads. All right, those that's as far as dungeons are concerned. 
that is one of the most two basic things that you will learn or that you'll pick up whenever you're out doing a dungeon in any MMO. AOE attacks from the boss and adds at spawn. You're gonna, you need to be able to get used to that quite a bit because that's something that's going to happen a lot when you're in ESO experience, and it will become a normal for a norm for you. Really, what you need to get down is knowing how to respond in those situations, and so we hope we help you with this. Uh, let's see, main one of the main bosses here, the first main boss before a high lord or high kin lord is uh, Shadowrend. Now. Shadowrend is the cash help me out. I believe the second boss. Second main yes. boss. Yes. Yeah. I think he's the second main boss. Yeah. No, well, he's the first main boss. Right. But overall yeah. dungeon-wise, he's the second boss that you come I think against. he's yeah, I think he's the second boss. And again, Shadowrend uses an AoE and this hits any party members in close proximity to this boss. So, range DPS, guess what? Again, don't have to worry too much. This is another great fight to teach you dungeon mechanics. Uh, something to keep note of, Shadowrend, he will spawn a clone. And there's an actual name for it, this ability that he uses. I forget what it's called, but it's basically a shadowy clone of himself. This clone has hardly, it probably has... I would say half the health that he does. It's substantially lower. And so when he spawns this clone, just like in the mini-boss of the Skeletal Destroyer, DPS, you're going to turn your focus from the boss to the add to burn him down. So that way it keeps the fight cleaner, and it's a whole lot easier for everybody. So kill the add, go back to Shadowrend. Healers, standard rota healing rotations. Keep the party members topped off. And just a good habit, something I personally do. When you got everybody topped off as a healer, they have all their health. Help with some DPS. Throw some DPS in there. You know, me personally, I throw an AoE for a DPS out there. I throw a dot on the boss. Um, and then just go back to healing. Right. Needed. And for healers, too, I, one thing that really helps out is to... when You know, when the fight starts... Get all of your uh, heals over time on the ground and try and envelop your entire group in your heals over time. And then once you get those things down, you can just kind of spot heal the folks who need it. And then if you get in trouble, especially if you're, if you're a Templar, you hit your big heal. Like with a, a Templar healer, it's going to be your breath of life. And it hits pretty, it hits pretty heavy, but it's also um, pretty expensive in Magicka to use. So you want to save that really for the oh crap moments. But as long as everybody's doing what they're supposed to do and staying out of the red um, and the DPS is going relatively smoothly and the tank has the aggro, it's pretty easy if all of your yeah. uh, heal over times are, are on the ground and you're keeping up with that, that standard rotation. You're just kind of spot healing and then you will have some time to DPS the boss. Yep, that's exactly it. You're right. And there is one ability. This is actually the main ability for this boss and this is something that everybody needs to keep watch for because it can affect anybody and it's called devour with this ability shadow rend he will use he will target a random party member and he pretty much stands on top of you and traps you okay so 
a party member who's ever been pounced on, if you have at least 50% stam, you can break free of this. If you do not, you will need to stun or interrupt the attack. If this doesn't happen, you, being the player who's underneath the claws of this dude, will take quite a bit of damage. And he will devour you. Yeah, it's pretty legit damage, too. Especially if you're not geared. If you're just going into this for the first time, it's going to hurt. So healers, when you see this happen, throw a heal. I always throw a heal as a good habit on top of that person as soon as that starts. Because then as soon as the damage starts, the healing has already been started. So it just helps keep them up. And that's it. That is Shadowrun. So, right. Pretty basic fight. Pretty basic fight, yeah. The most difficult fight is the last one on normal and vet. He can be tricky if you don't if you're not accustomed to this boss, if you've never fought him before, and that is High Ken Lord Rillis. Now, like we said it, he is the last boss of the dungeon and he's the toughest. The main reason why he's the toughest is his mechanics involve a lot of environmental dangers. Okay? The boss uses a magic attack that will target a random party member and he will knock them back. Now, it's not really that big of a deal when he knocks you back, but here's the problem. In the fight, there is going to be AoE flame pools that spawn. So... When those pools have spawned, if he knocks you back and you were standing in front of a flame pool and you <laughs> get knocked into it, lots of damage. They hurt. It hurts badly. You are going to start taking a lot of damage, which means your healer is going to go into overdrive mode, keeping you up. And so a good habit, and this is a good thing to teach any person, whenever you are in a dungeon, whenever you decide you want to get into raids, or even PvP, situational awareness in that where your character is located at in the fight. Okay? You need to keep your eyes not only on the boss, but on the ground around you to make sure that you are not standing in front of any of these AoE flame pools. So when he knocks you back, he just knocks you back, get back up and go, instead of <laughs> getting knocked back and spend time soaking up just a massive amount of damage. Yeah, there is a lot of um, AOE here that the boss will drop, and you, there's going to be a lot of dodge rolling out of it because you will find yourself enveloped if you're not paying attention, just like Jibs is saying. The other thing, just real quick for tanks in this one, is he will spawn, High Lord, uh, High Kinlord Rillis will spawn in kind of a Daedric gazebo looking thing that's out in the middle of like a little Daedric platform. It's a good idea for the tank to grab a hold of him and pull him across the room somewhat. And the reason for that is going to be these orbs that Jibs is about to talk about. But for the tank specifically, if you can get him turned away from the rest of the group, he will come into you with a heavy attack. And, and you've all seen the heavy attack. You know, the, the enemy will kind of pause for a second and then there will be this large, like, glittery star looking thing coming out of their weapon or you know whatever they're going to attack you with at that point um if you're a tank hopefully you have a shield you're going to want to block that because if you if you don't block that he's going to knock you down and if he happens to have one of those fire rings out 
he's going to knock you down and you're going to be in that firing for a second before you can get up. So make sure that you block that heavy attack. And then uh, Jibs will talk a little bit about why you want to have a little bit of distance from that gazebo he spawns at. Yep. So during the fight, good point, by the way, during the fight, healing orbs are going to spawn at this gazebo, stairs, area where the boss starts. Okay. When these orbs appear, and this could be the hard part about this, it's not the orbs, it's the fact that what else is happening in the middle of the fight. You can almost miss these orbs. So always glance back every once in a while. And a lot of times people will call this out in chat. Orbs in chat, that means turn, look at the little gazebo area where Rilla spawned, burn these orbs down. Because they will be on a track for the boss the moment that they spawn or they start moving. They will slowly head towards the boss. And if you, as DPS, even as a healer, if everyone's topped off and you got a few DPS you can throw, if this, um, if these orbs reach the boss, the boss will heal himself, and a substantial amount. So every, all that DPS used in that boss is null and void now because he's been completely healed, or you know, depending on how low he was. But um, the more that reach Ken Lord Rillis the longer the fight becomes. Now, the, dealing with these orbs, it's so much easier as ranged. You, as ranged DPS, you have the ability to see more of the battlefield, see what's happening in front of you, so you can locate these much easier. They're very easy to take down. You just have to be ready to take them down, Okay. Um, long story short, kind of like Cash said, avoid any red circles that spawn, as this is an indicator an attack is coming to that location. And as far as normal mode, High Kin Lord Rillis, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's, as long as you have those mechanics down, and it might take you a couple tries, it's not really a very difficult dungeon to do at all. Even on Vet, once you get the hang of doing it on normal a couple times, you'll be you'll be just fine in vet as long as you have the level and some decent gear. Yep. Now when it gets into vet, you've got these orbs that'll shoot you up in the air and then when you're shot up in the air, you've got to find the right platform to stand on to get rid of the debuff, which will end up wiping the group and gets all in- into uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. So anyway, that's it as far as fights are concerned. And as far as sets, some pretty cool stuff here. First one up is Sanctuary. I rock a lot of this, or I'm going to be with this new Templar healer. Um, this is a health, healing, and magicka set. When you get to five items on this, this increases your healing received by 12% for you and up to 11 group members within 10 meters of you. So it's a great that, entry level. Deal. Yeah, great entry level healing set, and also great in the long run. Very, very good set. That's a light armor. For medium, we've got Jailbreaker. Uh, this is a Stam set, Max Stam and Stam Recovery set. When you get five items, you gain Minor Expedition at all times, increasing your movement speed by 10%. That can be fun in PvP. That can be fun if it's a Gathering character, too, or a Crafter. Oh, my right? gosh. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You're, you're buzzing around everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, this last one here, Heavy Armor, the Tormentor set. I've fiddled with this quite a bit here on uh, some PvP builds I've kind of tinkered with. 
This is a max health and healing taken set. So you can get more healing. Uh, five items here. When you deal damage with a charge ability, you gain up to 3,600 physical and spell resistance and taunt the enemy to attack you for 15 seconds. Again, a fun a fun little set. Yeah. yeah fun set. A good one. The biggest one here, the, the takeaway here, is when you get to max or, let's see, pledges, that was at level 45? Yeah. 45. Yeah, so... Um, when you get there on the end, you're looking to do get your monster sets, which is a helm and a shoulder piece. They have a set here called Shatterend, and this is one item increases your magic of recovery. Two items, and this is the main reason why you get the set. When you take damage, you have a 15% chance to summon a shadowy clan fear for 15 seconds. The clan fear's basic attacks deal up to 3,400 magic damage and apply minor maim to the enemy. Hit for 10 seconds, reducing their damage done by 15%. This effect can That's occur every 15 seconds. Pretty significant. And there's still sets out, there's still builds out there that um, that recommend Shatterend yeah. as a monster monster set. Yep. You are exactly right. So that's it for Band of Cells 1. I know it was now a lot. Go back and listen to, to it. it if you need to. Yeah. Get in there and get to it. It's a really, really good... I would say this is probably... Well, really, any low-end dungeon, Spindle Clutch, uh, I think the other one's Elden Root, and then uh, Banished Cells really are great entry-level dungeons. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, if you want to read more about this, I'll have everything linked over at the episode page. A lot of this came from Prima Games and UESP. Great, great stuff. So if there's anything that we talked about, whether it was the news or Dungeons for Dummies, something that you really liked or that you want to comment on or maybe you have a question about, call us. We want to hear from you. You can call us at 765-382-6961. Leave us your voicemail. Or you can email us at loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com. So my talking is done. That was a lot of talking for you, buddy. You did well. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. No, it's your turn. You know why? Why? Lord loves it time. Oh, that's right, sucker. It's time for the heart of Lokan. Get out here. <laughs> All right. I'm ready. Take a step back. You know what happens now. It's time. Break here me the go. spell. All right, my friends. This one was because of what we talked about last week. We talked about the Dwemer last week. Or the Dweamer. Remember, you could say it both ways. Another little fun fact here. Um, I realized last week that I was pronouncing Chimer wrong the entire episode. I was calling it the Chimer. I know, it's terrible, but whatever. I didn't lose any sleep over it because I know you didn't. You probably just laughed at me anyway. Yeah, you had one job. This week, <laughs> one job. <laughs> this week, we are going to talk a little bit more about the Dwemer. And their sudden and mysterious disappearance from the face of Nern. Because woven into their mystery is the Heart of Lorcan. Which we all know has a mystique of all of its own. We talked about why the Dwemer disappeared. Or at least the speculation as to why they disappeared. And we believe it is completely tied to the Heart of Lorcan. So today we're going to talk about the story of this most prized relic in Tamriel which is responsible for a great deal of speculation, even though 
the corruption of many men and myrrh in Tamriel have taken place because of it. Mm-hmm. So the heart of Lorcan. What is it? If you're base level, don't know what it is. The heart of Lorcan is the divine spark of the deity most commonly known as Lorcan. Lorcan is known as the missing god and the creator or trickster present in ancient Tamrielic myth. More importantly, he's known as the spirit of Nern and the god of all mortals. So this very same deity is worshipped in many different cultural uh, races of Tamriel, although the, they're, they all kind of have a slight variation of his name. So here's some examples. And we covered this you know, pretty much with all of these different races when we talked about our races and lore lessons. But he's also known by the Khajiit of elsewhere as Lor Kaj, the moon beast. Same guy. He is known by the Yokudin Regatta or Redguard as the Sep in Hammerfell. And the Bretons know Lorcan as Sheor of High Rock. Yeah. The Nords, or the Vikings, uh, if you're telling the story in your jibs, is known as Shore in Skyrim. <laughs> I just caught what you said. You're such a oh, what? What happened? You know that how was many a topic messages of conversation. Yeah. yeah, a lot. You know, you know how many we got? Allah. Honest mistake. The Vikings? Yep, it's the Vikings. Yep, and they're led by Ragnar Lothbrook. Now you're just being a dude. Skyrim. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, he's also, Lorcan is also known as Shazar in Cyrodiil, which is um, the center of the uh, Nibbanese religion. Okay, fun fact. Many of these different races that I just covered hold very, very different views of the events surrounding the death of Lorcan and how his heart became adorned on the face of Nern. And we're going to kind of talk about some of the most or the most popular and the most believed reason for the death of Lorcan and how his heart became such an iconic tool, I guess you could call it. So either by convincing or trickery of the Etadah. Now, when I say the Etadah, I mean the original spirits. These are the spirits that were part in the making of Nern itself. Lorcan brought about the creation of Mundus and as a result, the land of Tamriel. Sometime after the materialization of the world, the most shared legend holds that Lorcan was either killed mutilated or otherwise separated from his divine spark or the heart of Lorcan. His heart was removed from his being. That sounds painful. And this event, yeah, it sounds gnarly. This event was known as the shattering of Lorcan. So whether or not this transpired as a form of punishment or it was voluntary is still kind of speculated. Lorcan was was exiled to wander through creation, the mortal creation. So here's uh, one of the concepts around this theory. It's called the theory of lunar Lorcan. And this theory states that the two moons of Masser and Secunda, who we know are very highly revered by the Khajiit, the two moons have manifested as Lorcan's flesh divinity, and the moon duo are said to literally be his corpse. Hanging in the sky, Lorcan's corpse are the two moons, Masser and Secunda. Okay. Yes. It sounds like some wacky Kajiti theory, but... Sounds like something they came up with on Moon Sugar. 
<laughs> totally. Well played. So this theory states that Lorcan himself was once a plane or a planet that participated in the creation of Mundus and that his divine spark or his heart fell to Nern. I liked this part to impregnate Nern with the measure of its existence and a reasonable amount of selfishness. That's how they, some beings felt about Lorcan. Hmm. The two moons are said to represent a duality or a sense of dichotomy that has been paramount to the dialogue of Lorcan. So when people talk about Lorcan, there's kind of two ways they talk about it. Was he good? Was he bad? Was he an evil trickster? Was he a creationist? Those two things are always talked about. Henceforth, the sense of dichotomy. Right. So that very same dichotomy presents itself as the very differences in opinion on Lorcan as held by men and elves. As the ultimate divine trickster, he was almost always loathed as an enemy in elven legend, but on the contrary, revered by the likes of mankind. So the elves held that Lorcan was unholy due to their belief that he severed their very connection to the spiritual plane with his trickery. The elves, just remember, the elves' ultimate goal, their ultimate wish was to return to their pedestal among the spirit realm. But now it's impossible because this demon, Lorcan, hindered their way. So in their folklore, they talk of him as being a demon hmm. and not good. So you ask yourself, how did this whole thing happen? Well, what actually ended up happening with Lorcan, the major lore behind him is this. The Etada, or the original spirits, as we talked about, um, some refer to them like the elves refer to them as the Adra and Daedra. Um, the Nords, or the men of Tamriel, refer to the Etada as the gods of Tamriel. And according to the historical lore in the Dawn and Merithic eras, the Etada, or these original spirits, created the Adamantine Tower, which we've also talked about recently, it was later known as the Dereni Tower. The White Gold Tower, same place. Mm -hmm. This was known as a place to convene and discuss the creation of Mundus. So the original spirits created this tower to talk about the creation of Mundus. This location was also later used by the very same gods to discuss the punishment of Lorcan for his trickery of conceptualizing Mundus. The decision was made at some point during those meetings to cast Lorcan's heart from the top of the tower into the mortal world below. And the people who were responsible for doing this was Oriel and Trinimac. Lorcan was said to have been slain by Oriel and Trinimac. Actually, if you look at um, elven lore, it is said that Trinimac himself tore out Lorcan's heart from his chest. And when he did so... The heart literally laughed at him and refused to die. That is gnarly crap right there. Ugh, no kidding. So as a, as a result of the heart literally laughing and um, refusing to die, Oriel secured the heart to an arrow and shot it across the world into the sea for it to forever be lost in the mortal realm. Now I have a little... Uh, 
reading here from the monomyth. This is a lore book that you can find. It reads, But when Trinimac and Oriel tried to destroy the heart of Lorcan, it laughed at them. It said, This heart is the heart of the world, for one was made to satisfy the other. So Oriel fastened the thing to an arrow and let it fly long into the sea, where no aspect of the new world may ever find it. Wow. Yes. So, unbeknownst to them, at the writing of the monomyth, somebody found it! (laughs) And who was it? It was our friend, the Dwemer. In the early part of the first era, the Dwemer, uh, some Dwemer miners were said to have discovered a mysterious magical stone underneath Red Mountain in Morrowind. Kagranak, who was a Dwemer, which we talked about last week, determined that the stone was actually the heart of Lorcan. As we spoke of this in the lore lesson last week, Kagranak fashioned a set of tools to harness the power locked within Lorcan's heart. Now, Kagranak's goal was to take the powers from within the heart of Lorcan and create a new god from the Animidium in the form of a massive brass golem that was simply referred to as the Numidium. So he wanted to take this power from Lorcan's heart and create a new god for the Dwemer. Now it's speculated that the heart rebelled from Kagranak's attempt to harvest this power. Remember, Kagranak made those tools. And when he tried, this is, this is speculation... When Kagranak tried to harvest the power from Lorcan's heart, it instantaneously wiped the entire drummer race from the face of Nern. That is one pissed off heart. You know, fast forward a week from when we first talked about, you know, pretty much that last part of the same thing was how the Dwemer disappeared. Isn't it funny that they just chose that race that it wasn't, the environment was infected affected there wasn't any kind of explosion you know that people saw it was just they disappeared yeah seemingly because of their own greed yeah and and their own their own want to be superior beings yep because at the time they were they were in a battle right and they wanted to use this to excel yep and it backfired Okay, another quick reading from a book called Kagranak's Tools. It reads, Beneath the Red Mountain, Dwemer miners discovered a great magical stone. By diverse methods, Lord Kagranak, high priest and mage crafter of the ancient Dwemer, determined that this magical stones that this magical stone was the heart of Lorcan, cast here in the Dawn Era as a punishment for his mischief in creating the mortal world. Ha! Mm-hmm. Fun fact, some Nordic stories foretell that the Dwemer would die by Lorcan's hand and were said to have been spread just before their actual disappearance. So there you go, Jibs. The Vikings foretold the future. Hmm. Did they? No, the Nords did. Oh, okay, thanks. Because it wasn't clear the first time. Oh. Well, at least now we've reinforced the fact. Okay, so whatever your personal beliefs may be, the mystery of the Heart of Lorcan is incredibly intricate tale of myth and legend. It is still talked about and debated today. And in this world where magical relics are strewn about every dark corner and awaiting discovery, it's magical in itself to imagine the amount of raw power 
that one relic could hold. That was a loaded lore lesson. Give it a lot to think about. A lot of facts. It's 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 one of the short one of our shorter ones, but it is a good it's one meaty. in that. But it's a good one in that it tells it tells a very jaded history. Yeah. Of some things that are uh, it, it leads to a lot of other plots. Yeah, agreed. In the world of Tamriel, a ton. The world of Nern. Yeah. On Tamriel. And that's yeah, I agree. It was. It's um, that lore lesson carries a lot of weight with it. You know, it's not like it. It's hundreds of pages long, but it, it's it carry like there's so much that <laughs> that references the heart of Lorcan. Oh, it, and you know what? Too, it can be when you look at the history of the Dwemer alone, and when you look at the history of the God of Lorcan. There is so much more to it. Like this is hitting probably, I don't know, maybe maybe mid iceberg. Oh wow, really? Okay. But there is a lot more yeah. history to it. It just, right. I, you know, I can't add it all in. Oh yeah, that'd be crazy for the show, because yeah. yeah, it would it would go on forever. But if you are interested in more, I definitely recommend um, the Imperial Library for one. And the UESP and, in some respects, the wiki. Most of them all have much of the same information, but there's a little bit of uh, variation from right. one to the next. But, um, yeah, it is it is a very charged topic Agreed. that is worth a lot more research if you're into it. And that short amount that we of time that we had with the Heart of Lorcan, there is so much that was just... <laughs> that was in that. That's what. That's right. what. I'm, that's what I'm trying to trying to get out of my bad grammar mind. Is that and for a lore lesson the size that we just gave, there is such an incredible amount of weight and context and subject that goes along with the heart of Lorcan. So that was really cool. Yep. Very very cool. Well done, sir. Thank you. Well, everybody, this was episode eight of the Lore Seekers podcast, and we hope you all enjoyed yourself to no end. And we know that you all listen on all kinds of apps across the wonderful universe. But if you are listening on iTunes, we'd appreciate if you give us a review. For every five-star review that we get, we show you all some love on the show. And I think it's time that we show some love. we got a couple of reviews here. One from Fort Breadcrumb says, I look forward to the long train journey home on a Friday when I can sit back and relax listening to the latest episode from The Lore Seekers. An amazing show full of facts, incredibly researched lore, and stories from ESO. There you go, Cash. The way the podcast is set up, it really makes you feel like you are part of the Lore Seeker family, especially with a guild you can join too. I recommend these guys to anyone looking for a fun and safe place to listen to and play ESO. Man, that's awesome. Thank you. Yep, thank you. I'm glad to see another person um, listening to it on the way home from work. Yeah, agree. You know, just I, I like the fact that we can help people relax and um, purge all the TPS reports from your mind. There you go. <laughs> yep. Uh, Milton Hubble says, just listen for the first time. Really enjoyed it and can't wait to go back and listen to your podcast from the very start. Not been playing the game for long, but recently got into it. 
massive Elder Scrolls fan and love the lore lesson about the Dweamer. Thanks for making the content. Can't wait for the next show. Man, thank you. Yep. This is why we do the show. That's right. So, so excited to hear from our folks and very humbled to get these reviews. Agreed. Thank you. Oh, you got a quick shout out, right? I do. I actually have a shout out from one of our other listeners. This is from uh, Allison from Texas. She hit us up and she attended QuakeCon in Texas and she did some playtesting for Bethesda and in her goodie bag, they gave her a rare torch pet, uh, torch bug pet code for PC and Mac. Well, she plays on consoles, so she didn't have the ability to use the code. So she wanted to send it to us, and um, we decided to that we're going to use this as a giveaway for um, an event that we have coming up. And I know we've talked about Extra Life before, but we are planning on doing an event for Extra Life, which benefits children's hospitals across the U.S. and Canada. And um, when that pops up, we will be using the Torch Pet from Allison, Torch Bug Pet from Allison, to give away. Thank you, you very much, Allison. You are awesome, and you epitomize our listenership. Thank you. Yes, agreed. Thank you, Allison. We appreciate it. You can call us 765-382-6961. Leave your voicemail with us, and uh, you know when the mail carrier stops by, maybe next episode, uh, your voicemail will be in there. Answer your question live on the show. You can email us, loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit loreseekerspodcast.com. And at the bottom of the homepage, just uh, fill out the little form there and uh, sends it right to our inbox over at loreseekerspodcast.gmail.com. Cash, you know what time it is. We got a guild. Yes, we do have a guild. Join us. We talk about it all the time because it's a great place to be. It's a great place to play. And just as a testament to our folks, we had kind of an unplanned event happen last night and Discord was kind of quiet. But as soon as a few folks started popping in, one of our fearless leaders, Blood Eye, had a group. She was starting a group running for uh, public dungeons just for XP and Sky Shards and the like. And... It started out with about two, three people, and it quickly turned into almost 20 people within about 30 minutes, and we (laughs) were just all running around. I mean, we had so many people in these public dungeons that we were starting to get instanced. Yeah. So, and and, I mean, just as fast as that happened, um, Jen, one of our other members, she just quickly picked up the other group, and we ran side by side in another instance. It just worked out really well, and those are the kind of events that we have going on, even if they're impromptu. We do impromptu dungeon runs every night. We just start calling it out, and before you know it, we have a couple dungeon groups running, uh, at least on PC, um, where we play, but I also know that's happening in our uh, console divisions on both Xbox and um, PS4, where we have some outstanding leadership running those guilds. And once again, we're also... Uh, looking for people who are interested in running EU for Lore Seekers guilds. Um, so far, we only have one application. Thank you very much for that. We're going to wait till we get uh, some more applications in so that we can um, get heavy on the recruitment process for that. If you want to join us in-game on whatever platform you play on, you can join us by going to loreseekerspodcast.com forward slash guild 
Once you have Discord downloaded, you can join our Discord server by and then apply by typing forward slash apply in the apply to guild channel. If you run into any problems, you can always um, direct message Jibs or I and we can get you taken care of. Yep. Just another real quick thing about our emails is we do get a lot of email and sometimes it's a day or two before we can get to them and then we got to prioritize what goes on the show and then sometimes it's just people just kind of shooting the crap with us a little, which is totally fine. We love getting emails. Um, But just keep in mind, if we haven't returned your email in a few days, we will get to you. Agreed. Yeah. So it takes a minute sometimes. Agreed. Well, uh, you can find this show wherever podcasts are available. This includes everything, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it's free, man, we are there. You can find us there. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Follow myself at Jibs IRL, Cash at Lord Secret Cash with a K, and most importantly, the show at Lord Seekers Cast. Next week, we'll be back with episode nine, and uh, we hope you all have a great week. Stay safe, stay awesome, and game on. Go run some dungeons. Yeah. Don't We're drink not- rot meth. Ooh. Listen to the storyline. That's right. It's coming up. What happens to Cash and Jibs? Do they get burned alive? Or do they not? Dilly dilly. Arrows flew from every direction with deadly precision. One after another, the sea vipers fell. Some met their end with arrow shots to the head, while others took shots to the torso and fell to the ground, lungs filling with blood, until they expired. A handful of the pale-eyed sea elves reacted quickly and were able to avoid the initial barrage of arrows. They quickly darted to cover and drew their weapons, readying themselves for battle. As Jibs and I looked on, we still hadn't realized what was happening. The sound of battle surrounded us, and we continued to watch as more Maurimer fell. The beings that slayed them, nimble and small, moved like the wind. They wore sleek armors with the colors of the forest that allowed them to move swiftly and unhindered. As they closed the distance to wounded enemies, They unsheathed swords and axes of bone and dispatched the unsuspecting sea vipers without remorse. These saviors were undoubtedly the wood elves of Valenwood. One particularly perceptive sea viper hadn't been slain quite yet. The Maurimer commander, realizing what was taking place, hurried to where the torchbearers had fallen and picked up the still-lit torches. He turned in our direction, grinned at us, and moved quickly towards Jibs and I, reaching to light the fires in a final act of defiant desperation. He was laughing maniacally as he placed the torches into the kindling below our feet. The pyres caught flame without haste, and the fire and heat began to build. 
Jibs and I frantically squirmed our bodies to avoid the quickly intensifying flames. We could feel the heat as it started to burn flesh. Moving and jerking about did nothing to relieve the pain we were feeling building at our feet. However, in that instant, the intense heat transformed into a misty coldness with an unsuspecting blast of frost from the tree line behind our backs. The flames had been instantly snuffed out by something arcane, and all that remained in the pyres were crackling crystal shards of icy glass. We could not turn around to witness the being that had relieved us of certain death, but we did hear his voice. It was raspy and booming. Commander! The voice from behind us yelled as he captured the attention of the sea viper who nearly murdered us. The startled Maurmer quickly glanced up with a look of surprise. He recognized the threat and immediately drew two swords he had hanging from his hips, then took a ready position. What happened next was legendary. Still unable to see the savior behind us, Jibs and I could hear and feel a whoosh of air movement on our backs. I saw a blur of pale green move laterally in the corner of my eye, and then I heard the distinct sound of blades slicing through the air. As I regained my focus, I saw the Maurmer commander, still standing in front of us, glance down towards his front. The two cleanly severed forearms fell to the ground, swords still in hand. From two bloody stumps, a fountain of crimson fluid flowed into the open air in pulsing spurts. As he recognized his plight, the commander let out a blood-wrenching scream, but it was cut short by the sound of a blade piercing skin and bone. The blade wielder had finished the job with an uppercut of his right dagger straight through the fleshy portion of the sea viper commander's chin directly into his skull. As efficiently as the blade had entered, it was retracted, and the Sea Viper commander fell into a heap into the bloodied sand beneath his feet. He made no further sounds or movements, but one final guttural death rattle from his throat. The hooded figure standing before us took glances to his right and left, then above his head, seemingly examining the battlefield for additional threats. I scanned as well, although still bound. The remainder of the Sea Viper pirates were in the process of dying. No match for this raiding party's well-planned, stealthy ambush. Seeing no additional threats, I looked to my front, and the hooded figure had vanished. Before I knew it, Jibs and I were being skillfully and quickly cut free of our bindings with two long daggers still wet with blood from the Sea Viper's silenced commander. Close one, eh? The hooded figure said as he positioned himself in front of Jibs and I with a slight swagger. Removing his hood, we quickly saw that the man was no Bosmer. He appeared to be Regatta, but an unusually lighter shade than most. He had light eyes and a long braid of dreadlocks flowing from the front of his hairline to his mid-back. He wore a long traditional warden's battle tunic in faded earth tones 
with high, heavy, leathered boots. On his back was a bow and quiver, skillfully crafted of hide and bone, and at his side hung two blades, about a foot long each, with a bright green stone on each pummel, still dripping blood from the bottom of the open-ended sheaths. Wolven? Jib said to the man with a narrowed brow. Aye, Jib's in cash, I presume, of the reliquary, Wolven said with a grin as he flashed a small medallion held low in the palm of his hand. If you recall, Jibs and Cash were to meet a reliquary agent in Volquiston some days ago. Wolven, the lore seeker, was that agent. Although they had never met face to face, Wolven came highly recommended for his combat prowess in the region of Valenwood and beyond. A mutual friend of Jibs and Cash, by the name of Egendor, had lived with Wolven for some months with his Bosmeri clan and had recommended him for work with the reliquary. Wolven, a nomadic redguard, originally from Hammerfell, had left home and had begun traveling the wilds of Tamriel on a quest to learn the ways of the Warden. Fate had brought Wolven to Malabal Tor, where he became embedded with the tribe to learn the ways of the forest. Agindor, a well-known Bosmeri local guide who had traveled with Jibs and Cash on many occasions in search of relics in the region, had befriended Wolven when he was allowed to study with the Bosmer of Deepwood. Egendor recognized his potential and his worth to their operation. Wolven had become quite the relic hunter himself over the past several months, and he took a particular liking to exploration and discovery below the surface. His knowledge of the trade routes and combat prowess also made him a very valuable prospect to the reliquary. For that reason, he was recruited without haste. Wolven was to meet up with Jibs and Cash and show them the most recent trade routes where the reliquary's goods could be transported without fear of local government interference. But since the arrival of Aldmeri troops, High Elven soldiers had been maintaining the roadways quite efficiently, allowing for easy transport of their goods. What's more, Wolven would provide passage for Jibs and Cash to the coast, where they could make their way to Somerset. Well met, my brother. Your timing was impeccable. Cash said as he reached out and embraced Wolven with both arms in a burly bear hug. Jibs, still rubbing the circulation back into his wrists and hands, simply let out a sigh and said, Thank you. Just then, the crash of breaking branches was heard to the right, and a massive gray-backed bear with glowing eyes burst through the tree line and onto the sand. The bear sidled up to Wolven, dropped what appeared to be a pale and bloodied severed foot from his mouth and nudged it with his snout towards his master's feet. The bear opened his maw towards Jibs and Cash, let out a satisfied growl, then positioned his head under Wolven's hand, as if demanding a good scratching. Wolven reached down, his hand disappearing into thick fur, and vigorously scratched the massive head as the bear closed his eyes in approval of the gesture. Good boy, Wolven said as he looked down at the impressive beast rubbing his fur. Looking back at Jibs and Cash, noticeably surprised, Wolven said, This is my better half, Dugan. From the opening in the tree line where Dugan had emerged, several Bosmer silently made their way to the beach. In total, there were ten Bosmer, Wolven and his bear, in the raiding party. They all gathered around Jibs and Cash 
To their surprise, the last two Bosmer to come through the tree line had two very familiar Guar in tow by the reins, seemingly unharmed. Jibs and Cash saw this and let out a sigh of relief. Thank the divines. And all of you, Jibs said. A wiry wood elf stepped forward, dressed in traditional Jaxpers battle attire. Jaxpers were the renowned snipers of the bow ranks in a Bosmeri hunting party. This Bosmer certainly looked as if he were a commanding force on the battlefield. He was lean and muscular, with tough, wrinkled skin and crow's feet adorning the corners of his eyes. He wore forest green face paint and two slanted stripes on his cheekbones and a cross running from his forehead to the tip of his nose and across his brow. When he spoke, it commanded respect. We must move. There are more tents here than the number of Marma we killed. I fear they have hunting or scouting parties afoot. We will retreat to the canopy before they return. Without haste, the hunting party sprung into movement. A line was quickly formed, and our tethered guar were moved into position in the rear of the line. Jibs and I were positioned in the middle of the party, and we were each handed our staves. How they knew whose was whose, I will never know. Lucky guess, maybe? Anyhow, it was nice to be back in business with the ability to actually protect ourselves. Like soldier ants, we marched off into the shade of the forest's canopy. The Bosmer, nimble and disciplined, kept perfect spacing, moved silently, and covered all angle with arrows strung in their bows. Although we still weren't out of danger, I couldn't help but feel the exasperating relief of being alive. At least, for now.